Guys, this we've made eight. it eight. We've made it eight episodes in. Uh, so is this the, this is the last one then? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I know I celebrated ever? the last one. It's just each subsequent episode is going to be the most episodes we've ever done of a podcast. You just blew my mind. You're welcome. All right, let's do it. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Unseen Supreme, the non-essential movie podcast. And last week, guys, what did we talk about last week? What did we talk about? I told you to not stand on the lawn for too long. If you're on the lawn for too long, your foot, little places, they kill the grass. And I told you to stop doing that, and you didn't. And we also talked about Shakespeare in Love. And it was a great movie. I won, obviously, or I wouldn't be talking to you today. I won that quiz, and it was freaking sweet. You slipped into old man, old man Holden there. Get off my lawn. You're taking my role. Is that going to come full circle later, or was that just for that one moment? What is this? Is this a body swap episode? Lawn thing. It can. It just depends on what we talk about. Welcome okay. to Unseen Supreme, our body swap episode where Holden pretends he's me. Hey, I've got my black shirt on, so... That makes me Holden. And oh. John has to be me. Here's my mad impersonation. Yes, I am an actress, and I slip into Shakespeare. No, let's cut that out. That was dumb. <laughs> <laughs> when she talks about British theater, she gets a very British accent on. I've got my British accent. I'm a legit actor. I'm a Shakespeare actor. I've British got accent. a British accent. British accent challenge part one. Say queen. Uh, queen. Speaking of queens, today <laughs> I decided that we needed to talk about probably one of the most important films in the past 20 years, B-movie. <laughs> no, that is not a genre of movie. Uh, this movie is about bees. Um, so please do not dishonor this movie or this podcast by having not seen the movie. So please stop and go watch B movie before you listen to any of this, because we're going to spoil B movie and Seinfeld. And we're going (laughs) to spoil, um, nanny McPhee. No, what's the, what's the, um, (laughs) what's the movie with, uh, 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 Bridget Jones. Bridget Jones. Yeah, we're going to ruin Bridget Jones. I'm sorry. It's impossible. It's impossible to ru- ruin Bridget Jones. It's just not possible. Bridget Jones, baby. Well, anyway, we are talking Spoiler. about B-Movie, and I don't want to waste any more time because I want to talk about one of my favorite films of my life. For thousands of years, humans have misunderstood them and feared them. Now, one bee in a turtleneck sweater is going to change everything. Stand back. These are winter boots. Wait! Why does his life have any less value than yours? This fall, I gotta say something. You like jazz? <gasps> You're talking to humans. You're flying outside the hive. Barry B. Benson. So you see soda spilled on a sidewalk and you don't drink it? Is a little bee. He's not bothering anybody. Get out of here, you creep. Discovering a big secret. How did this get here? It's just honey, Barry. This is stealing. He's brave. Where'd you get the honey? It's ours now. He's bold. This can't possibly work. Okay, Barry, pull the chute. 
He's reaching new heights. <gasps> what happened? I just tried to talk to these guys. Hi. Ah, me. <gasps> then there was a dustbuster, a toupee, a life raft exploded. Now one's bald, one's in a boat, and they're both unconscious. Jerry Seinfeld, Renee Zellweger. <laughs> DreamWorks B-Movie. There's a lot to unpack. Maybe this is preemptive, but a lot of your notes here, you don't sound too positive on this movie, Yeah, Holden. I'm really interested to see how and why this is one of your favorite movies of all time as someone who has been to film school. Guys, listen. I well, started... This I did not start liking this movie after film school, and this was not a movie that influenced me to go to film school. Yeah, but I just figured your taste would be like, I mean, some of your tastes are pretty, like, I don't know, um, pretentious. Oh, shots fired. Oh, (laughs) man. So here we have on the other end of the spectrum, Mm B-movie. So I'm just curious to know why. I don't know if we have watched enough Holden movies to be able to make the claim that his selections are pretentious yet, but... I mean, if you can remember years ago when I hosted my Under the Silver Lake podcast, (laughs) I talked about how my taste is varying and you can't put a finger on me. Mm. Mm -hmm. And so that's why why I had to pull out B-movie. I had to level the playing field. I'm not a guy who's like, oh, you don't like the master? Well, maybe you shouldn't have eyeballs. No. I like B-movie. I like Johnny English. I like Hot Rod. I like Nacho Libre. Those aren't, like, this is not cinematic genius there. It's genius. Um, Don't get me wrong. Nacho Libre is genius. And so is is Hot Rod. Libra. Nacho Scorpio. Uh, Nacho (laughs) Libre. Libre. I don't know. I don't know, y'all. So, with all of your insults hurled at me over with... Again, I'm I'm trying to get through this, guys, because I, w- I want to talk about this, and I want to I want to okay, talk. God, you know, I, I so... believe in us. I believe in let's us. Let's talk. Let's I believe talk. in you. Talk to us, Holden. So you guys are asking me why is B movie one of my favorite movies? Uh, hey, Holden, and... Holden, why is B movie one of your favorite movies? I well, I want to know. Our listeners want to know. I think Maddie is curious as well. I'm well, dying to know. That's a great question. Let me whip out a little bit of personal context for this movie. I don't know if you're necessarily going to be satisfied with my answer, though. Wait. (laughs) Are you satisfied with what you whip out? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So I was a freshman in high school when B-movie came out. I was not a child. I was (laughs) not... (laughs) I was not watching Nickelodeon. I was about to be driving... And I was watching B movie. I just that was definitely turned- a question I I kept asking myself when I was watching this. I was like, this came out in 2017. No, Holden 2007. Was, sorry, 2007. Holden was 15 years old. Yeah, I had just turned yeah. 15 when this came out. I can I can imagine like six or seven year old Holden just going nuts over this movie. But 15 year old Holden. Yeah. And I honestly, I can't tell you why I like this movie. Like, I don't remember what. Maybe it was just that I had bad taste when I was in high school. When I was a freshman, I didn't like good movies or I don't I don't know. Like I was a I was a fan of animated movies. I liked cartoons as a kid. And so like animated movies were the craze because this came from the, the, you know, the same producers who did Shrek. But like, 
I have no recollection as to why I liked this movie. All I can think of is that I would watch Seinfeld with my dad in the evenings when I got back home from school, and I can only think that that's maybe what drew me to it. Yeah. And so, like, later in high school, like, I would be able to come home, and I would eat my lunch, and I would watch B-movie, or I would watch Johnny English, or I would watch The Life Aquatic. <laughs> don't ask me why I can't I can't put I can't put reasoning to it that's all I can recall from my personal context for B movies quite that. frankly I can't I can see why you would like it mm-hmm. there's a lot of really cl- clever right there's a lot of clever writing going on the mm-hmm. a lot of things land really well I think it's if you only kind of start thinking about the movie from its entire story is where you start to or it starts to kind of break down and yeah break, it's not not breakdown, but it just it's like motivations are all over the place. Yeah, it's questionable. And that's I think like mostly where a lot of my questions come from is like this is me watching it after a long hiatus of not watching B movie and then being like, Oh gosh, I'd like watching this. Even at fifteen I wasn't thinking about this. Maybe my head was just in another space. But uh let's give our listeners a bit of context. I want to give a little bit of background as to the release of this movie. I want to talk about some movies that were released around this time, but also some animated movies that this was up against. So movies released in 2007, No Country for Old Men would wind up winning the Oscar, Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix, Uh, Juno, uh, Indie Darling, There Will Be Blood, Ratatouille was the uh, animated movie uh, Oscar winner. Uh, for Pixar. 2007 from Pixar. Uh, Spider-Man 3 came out. Transformers came out. The live-action Sweeney Todd with Johnny Depp. Uh, and here are some animated movies that came out. The third Shrek movie, Shrek the Third. Alvin yeah. and the Chipmunks. Uh, shout out Jason Lee. And the Simpsons movie. <laughs> uh, Meet the Robinsons. No. And 300. Meet the Robinsons was cute. I haven't seen Meet the Robinsons. Glazed over my joke. I haven't seen Shrek the Third or Alvin and the Chipmunks, but I've seen every other movie on that list. I think I have too. Like 2007, 2008 was like an era when I was seeing all of these movies. No Country for Old Men was one of the movies that sent me into film school. Like that was one of the movies that I saw that would leave a lasting impression on me and Sweeney Todd, actually. So here are some events from 2007. 2007 not that not that b movie was made in 2007 um in 2007 the 110th congress elected nancy pelosi to be the first female speaker of the house yes silence uh steve jobs announced the first iphone guys b movie is coming out at the start of a new age huh. the, the first How iphone was that only 13 years ago well that sounds like a long time when you say, yeah, how was that only 27 years ago? Um, the final Harry Potter book is published. So that's when Order the Order of the Phoenix is coming out the same year that the last book is coming out, The Deathly Hollows. Um, the Inconvenient I've, Truth won the best documentary Oscar. So, yeah, and I did notice that there was some global warming or one global warming reference in this movie as well, in B movie, which, which, felt, which felt like it was way early for me, but I guess... Knowing that The Inconvenient Truth came out the same year, I guess that, yeah. So The Departed won Best Picture in 2007. This is not the same Oscars that No Country for Old Men, Ratatouille, and Juno would win. Uh, uh, Speaking of Scorsese, no, no, that's not related. 
uh, The Sopranos airs its infamous cut to black series finale. I, I thought The Sopranos like just went off the air. But no, anyway. Sopranos is old. No, yeah, it's yeah, it's. Right. I was I was watching Sopranos and. Uh, in my in college so yeah that's like Old. early oh. <laughs> all right <laughs> early o's um so uh much like the sopranos uh ending it must have been a sign for an era because <clears throat> did y'all watch that show because that was a pretty at the time bold ending never to seen a, it. a tv show i've oh. seen part of the first season of the sopranos and i i just kind of like fell off it didn't guess, really like yeah spoiler alert then i guess for me just kind of ruined the ending of it for you. So well, that it cuts to black. Alden did when he put it in his. And we haven't seen Sopranos. The ending cuts to black. Big surprise there. Most people cut to white. But you know, we're not really giving them the full context, so maybe you could still be surprised by it. No, yeah, I still exactly. Don't understand what that means. So it should cut to black because Keeping Up with the Kardashians was about to premiere. The beginning of a new era. Yeah, iPhone Kardashians. Rihanna drops her breakthrough album, Gone Girl, Good Gone Girl, Gone Bad, Girl Gone no. Bad, Girl Good. Put some respect on Rihanna's name. That is maybe my favorite of her albums. Um, the Phoenix Lander was launched to Mars. You guys, you keep track of that? No. It would later no. detect water-based ice, ice formations. Oh. Wow. Um, the Mitchell Report <laughs> unveils widespread use of anabolic steroids and growth hormones in the MLB. Why do I always have a baseball fact? Well, this is my second episode, but why Why do <laughs> I have a baseball fact that no one cares you about? You don't have to hide it anymore. You love baseball. Be proud of it. Oh, and this comes full circle. Uh, the U.S. private security firm Blackwater is banned by the Iraqi government for operating in Iraq following the civilian shootings. Oh, and may I ask you, who just pardoned those guards who committed those crimes? Oh, it would happen to be our great and valiant lord and dictator. Dictator. King. <laughs> <laughs> the face. And also the face in 2007, the average cost of a new home was $313,000. Gas cost $3.30 a gallon. The average income was almost $60,000 a year. Today's that's nearly $98,000 a year. But uh, I don't know what that has to do with uh, Barry Benson's life. But, you know, <laughs> that's how much he would make, uh, you know, making honey that's, for the hive. Yeah, that's what he was looking up against. So, let me give you a little bit of a, a synopsis for B-Movie. Fresh out of college, Barry Benson, a bee, finds the prospect of working with honey uninspiring. He flies outside the hive for the first time and he talks to a human, breaking the cardinal rule of his species. Barry learns that humans have been stealing and eating honey for centuries, and he realizes that his true calling is to obtain justice for his kind by suing humanity for theft. There's a lot going on in this movie. There's there, a lot. What going is it on. really about? There is a lot. So, with that said, I want to get your initial thoughts and feelings on B movie. Um, I just like on a surface level, I enjoyed it. I love an animated film. I love. Um, I feel like I just don't have to work as hard, right? No matter what the film is, if it's animated, it just feels easier on my brain. That being said, there were definitely moments where I was like, "That did not age well. That did not age well." Um, I'm not a Seinfeld fan, so going in, I was a little bit like, mm, "Don't know if I'm gonna really enjoy this." 
Um, but it was fine. Like, it was cute. It does not strike me as a kid's movie, to be honest. I feel like yeah. a kid watching this, everything would just go right over their head. Like, That's what I think. literally everything about it would go right over their heads. Mm-hmm. Well, hold in my initial thoughts and feelings. <laughs> I feel like you have uh, something written about this. No, I starting out, I thought, oh, I'm really going to like this movie. I really enjoyed the opening. I enjoyed uh, the building of the world of the hive and uh, meeting all the characters and kind of seeing um, how their life goes. So I, I thought we, I was in for something that I would really, really enjoy. And that's not to say that I, I didn't, that I disliked the movie because you know, it's fun. There's a lot of, it has a lot of strengths. I just think that the, the problems with the movie, the, all the narrative problems took me out of the movie and it feels weird to say that because this is a kid's movie. It's supposed to be just fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're not supposed to hold it to a high level of scrutiny, but as soon as we get outside of the world and he starts talking to humans, I was just baffled by all the choices that <laughs> follow. So yeah, up into the, up into a, a point, like I was really super inv- engaged and I, I thought I was, this was going to be like uh Pixar, Pixar quality, Pixar level, which mm-hmm. is the, let's face it, the gold standard. Um, and then it, it just sort of takes a turn and I don't understand uh, why I can, I can understand that. And maybe during your, uh, little, uh, spiel there, I started to realize maybe why I liked this movie so much because the opening to that movie, I feel like is really good. It's a great yeah. introduction into how the bees right. live, their community the bee world. I liked Barry and Adam's relationship. I thought it was really quirky and funny. Their graduation, seeing Hanex and seeing the jobs that they had to do and really kind of equating yourself with Barry's need to feel like there's, you know, to see outside of the hive and see the world that's out there that's bigger than him. You can really equate with that. Just that introduction of like him yearning for something beyond the hive, that could have been a big part of the movie for me. I think it could have, that could have, it could have just been that contained, but because of, they shove all that stuff into the intro. It, it sort of truncates all of this, the, our, our journey with the characters mm-hmm. and everything's just sort of told to us. We don't feel anything. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're, we're just told ex- through exposition that like, well, this is a thing. And then like it thought they, they immediately paid off or, or pay it off later uh, without any real motivations. But I do think there's a stronger B movie here where maybe the, the outside world, maybe the human world doesn't even really, really come into play much or they don't interact with them. Like where they're, everyone's just speaking English to each other. Like, like where right. humans can understand bees and bees can understand humans. Like, and it hasn't been discovered until now that they're all speaking the same language. Right. Uh, so that being said, they do a really great job setting up the bee world in the first 15 to 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I didn't want to get too far into it. Cause I don't know what you have next in your, in your list, but, uh, that's one of the strengths of the movie. And the other one would be that the jokes do land. They are funny, mm-hmm. but I do think that they are written for uh, an older audience. And I think that that's just Seinfeld. Yeah. This is like mm-hmm. watered down Seinfeld for children that either works or it doesn't, but <laughs> that kids still can't get right. I can definitely see how it'd fly over there. I think Manny's right on that. And that was what, uh, that was what I was a big fan of is I like Seinfeld's like idiosyncratic form of humor. Yeah, tenfold, I thought it was going over kids' heads. But this is why, when I was watching it, and this is why I got a little confused, and it wasn't until later until I realized that, no, this is 15-year-old Holden watching this, because a lot of the design of the Hive 
it's it's set up like a matchbox car world or a uh, 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 is that is that the right word? like a hot like the yeah. tracks hot that, wheels. you know that go yeah, in a loop it's a, and it's very much like a hot wheels world so mm-hmm. yeah you've got loop-de-loops and you've got all this fun stuff that i think kids would really like from a visual standpoint mm-hmm. yeah. and so that's what i was like oh well, this is why holden Lovett, he was a super big hot wheels fan but no he's 15 i'm 15 <laughs> i'm about to start driving uh, operating kept, a motor I, I vehicle I kept getting confused on what age Holden was when he was, when I was trying to keep that in my mind when I was watching it. That was one of the things was like the humor I really liked because that's maybe I was there for the jokes because I did think that this was a funny movie and I did like the little, I did like the little bits of just like even background humor and things that would happen to characters, you know, like Adam and Barry are walking and talking and there's a guy filling up his car with gas and then he just like yeah. turns it and like sprays it into his mouth and the guy's like, hey, and it's not that giant of a laugh or anything, but I there's things like that that I just like these little intricate bits of humor and you can tell that Jerry Seinfeld was there every day. Yes. The background stuff, all the, there's a lot of really fun gags and I think it's a lot of stuff that's happening around all that stuff. And I, I mean, I'm sure that that stuff's in the script. Um, I did, this was written by Jerry Seinfeld. I noticed, but there was also a couple other writers, but, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that that's why the joke stuff works is because, you know, Seinfeld is Seinfeld. He's a great comedy writer. Um, and a lot of the gags in the background are the stuff that makes it fun. Those, that stuff really lands. Um, and I think it's just the plot overall gets really convoluted and really strange. Mm -hmm. It does. Yeah. It does feel like there's a lot crammed into this movie, and I feel like there was this effort to try and be accurate or almost quasi-educational about bees. And so I wanted to ask if you learned anything about bees in this movie, because then I want to also jump into some of the silly aspects of how this movie maybe doesn't live up to those. Are you talking specifically about like the opening, um, the opening text that shows? Could be, it could be anything. You didn't have to learn anything, but I just wanted to ask if there was anything that presented itself as a truth about bees that you thought was interesting. No, I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was illuminating anything. I I did like the opening statement. I don't remember it word for word, but it was like, according to all known laws of aviation, they shouldn't be able to fly. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Something like that. I don't know how that played into the, the movie overall, but it was a fun little tidbit of information but I think as far it, as like learning anything about bees like a ton, none of it's based in reality beyond that that's a little intentional because i do have some tidbits about that so the opening oh. text is actually based off of obsolete information that people found you know decades before this movie was even released uh the laws of aviation from the early 20th century uh quickly explained the flight of large objects such as airplanes and birds but failed when applied to really small objects like bees, but modern laws of aviation came in and was able to explain the flight of bees. Maddie, I think you talked about their actual, how they're able to fly. Uh, I, I've seen, I've heard that before too, like many times, like, you know, according to physics, bees shouldn't be able to fly because their bodies are so big and fat and their wings are so small <laughs> but i feel like i've also that shoot, is that's body shaming bees and i do not appreciate I it i know <laughs> poor little guys 
I was gonna say I feel like I read somewhere where they don't they like hover, but maybe that's um well, that's they they not vibrate at a, a frequency um, enough to. But is that hummingbirds? Maybe that's hummingbirds. Well, I mean, um, yeah, hummingbirds can, do I don't hover. Know anything. So, like, as as educational as maybe this. Well, y'all didn't really take it as educational, so I can't run no, with that bit. But not um, at all. <laughs> Well, we're too smart for that. Well, there were just little tidbits that were just like, well, bees have been doing this for 27 million years. And you're like, oh, well, that's, did they make the, does that, is that real 27 million years? Like, is that right? There may be some people out here who don't know this stuff. So I think you should still go through it. Yeah. Well, in case you guys didn't know, um, bees in the real world have a very different biology from the bees in bee movie. What? Yeah, what? turns out those aren't actual live modeled bees. In the real world, male bees so, don't contribute at mm-hmm. all to the honey making process. It is in, oh. done entirely by the females. <gasps> yes. Yes, queens. Um, oh, wait, not queens. Yeah. Lowly yes, peasant bees. Lowly the, ma- peasant the movie bees. definitely plays fast and loose with uh, who does what in the hive, for sure. Uh, male bees are drones, and they are just there to mate with the queen. Innuendo. That's all they're good for. Uh, drones, uh, also known as male bees, do not have stingers. That's what? the female reproductive organ is their stinger. Uh, bees do tend to die after stinging as the stinger rips free from the body as the bee flies away. Kind of gross oh. if you think about it. It like rips mm. all their entrails out oh. as they're just like trying to fly away. It's kind of sad. Is that is that real? Yeah. Wow. That's Mother Nature's justice system. Wait, how is that justice? Because they sting you. Uh Yeah, it's like karma. And it hurts. Well, sure, but then in the process of stinging me, their guts get ripped out. Yeah. I don't think that that's justice. Well. Maybe that's just me. They have to be, it's supposed to make them. Maybe you're a better person than I am. Tell me, John, if you own this. Hold on. Maddie, I'm not a better person than you. I don't want to fight. Because if you had a firearm, if you had a firearm, and while you have a barrel that points out away from you, you also had a barrel pointed toward you, and it shot two bullets at once, you would be really careful when you pulled the trigger on that firearm, wouldn't you not? I think. If it shot you, too? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, I would. I don't want my uh, guts yeah. to hang out. Yeah, I don't want to either. <laughs> also, insects have six legs, not four. They're not bipedal. Uh, if you believed B movie, you are a gullible fool. Uh, they also have com- <laughs> they also have compound eyes, not simple eyes with one pupil. Stupid kids. Now I'm not saying that you know based on the current state of America, I'm not saying that people took B movie and uh, pretend that it was you know their truth it was fact. Oh, I wouldn't dang. hold it past somebody, but I'm I'm guessing that not a lot of people did. Well, so some other consist- inconsistencies maybe. Plants don't wither and die if they're not pollinated, guys. Um, They simply just don't don't develop viable seeds. Although bees do contribute significantly to the pollination process, other animals, other animals do this, like birds. Um, Not to mention, like, a simple gust of wind can pollinate. So, like, the entire, like, conflict and peril of this movie uh, is not real. So then, uh, what's the whole save the bees thing about, huh? Yeah, yeah. That's it. I was gonna what's look. What's that about? I was gonna look up what would happen if the if all the bees went away, but I ran out of time. Well, um, so one of the producers of Bee Movie did say that he went to visit 
a beekeeper farm or a apiary, as they're officially called. And he said among the odd facts that he did learn, he he heard that if bees didn't pollinate, the resultant imbalance of nature would cause humanity to collapse within four years. That's they what do I they do a lot of heavy lifting and there are reasons why people keep bees on their land. Their pollination process is very important. It also it also takes 17 bees to make one teaspoon of honey. So you're saying this movie is not just liberal propaganda. And we can talk about some <clears throat> other propaganda that is propagating. Was Gore was he a producer on this movie? Did he <laughs> was he an executive producer on this movie? <laughs> It did make an impact on a lot of the uh, people affiliated with the production of this movie because a, a majority of them uh, stopped eating honey, the sweet bee product, uh, as a result of producing this movie but and learning about I wish they would have learned how to bees. write a better script instead. Yeah. And what's funny, what's funny, the most of all, what's funny, apart from your comment that you just made, that's uh, seriously <laughs> infuriating me. You can see how red my face is. Oh, no, he's getting red. The the oh, animators, on, guys, I can't tell you how much time the animators spent. They spent thousands of hours observing bees to learn how to animate them. And then what they did was they just turned around and they cartoonified them. So they spent all of this budget studying bees and then they were just like, ah, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah, seems fruitless to me. Mm-hmm. But yeah. maybe I need to watch the movie again knowing yeah, that as information. Soon, as soon as you give them big googly eyes, you kind of throw it all out. So Honey is also portrayed as being the only career choice for these bees. Even right. though clearly set up in the first 20 minutes of this movie, bees have loads of other jobs because they have an entire bee society within their little bee hive. And like there's uh, there's got to be some bee car manufacturers and bee mm-hmm. convenience store clerks and bee um, musical artists. And there's a yeah. bee Larry King. You know, you have journalists and stuff. So uh, just this another is, point of bullshit that B-movie can't even live within its own world. <laughs> right. I still I think like this movie. I still like it. <laughs> it's you? not truth. It's an animated cartoon B-movie. Like I was going to say, even so, it doesn't need to like contradict its own rules within 20 minutes. It does. Of- yeah, it does. Yeah. Well, I, okay. I'm, so I'm gonna... speaking as like a fun kids movie, and again, like since this is a kid movie, it, it's, it's hard to... But is it, feel, it? it feels weird to be so you know critical of it. This it, is the inherent problem with this movie: is that it doesn't follow its own rules. It just it sort of plays so loose with its concepts. It, it, it might set something up earlier, and then it'll totally break it. <laughs> you know, thirty minutes later. Yeah, I did look and see, and I, I saw. I went ahead and skipped ahead in your notes, and I apologize, but. There, there were two hundred versions of this script. Yes, this this script went through a rewrite of two hundred rewrites. Like that is insane. So much wasted time. <laughs> that totally, to me, is why this movie has a coherence problem. It kind of feels like they're trying to put purpose to something that doesn't need to be there. Like they're trying to give so much purpose to Barry and to give him a lot of life choices to have to make in this short amount of time, so that he can find meaning and return back to his hive, but it seems so stretched at some points. Like, they were just like, I don't know, uh, they have to go to California, and they gotta go get 
roses. And that's where inconsistency after inconsistency starts piling up. This is kind of my larger problem with the movie is that we learn this information because we're following it in real time, but also our character, Barry, is learning this information at the same time as well. And his motivation to dream of a life beyond the hive happens instantaneously when he finds out that he's only going to be working in honey for the rest just like of his everyone life. else does. But they make it a point to say like, this is how it's been for 27 million years. Why wouldn't he know that? And I think that it's okay that he has aspirations beyond the hive. I just wish that he just would have had that coming into the movie. Yeah, wouldn't he have taken that in like his B history class in B college? They could have they could have set that up in a different way that made me have empathy for this character as opposed to just have him discover that that's that his life was that's the only meaning of his life was to be a bee. And I and I think that's why his motivations are so instantaneous like from from the second that he learns that he has to make honey for the rest of his life, that's when the movie really kind of starts. That's when he decides on an instant that he wants to be outside the hive and he joins the pollen jocks and he gets his chance to do it. Like in three minutes, he's already out of the hive. Whoa, I'm out. I can't believe I'm out. So blue. Fast and free. Box cut. He's achieved his goal of, of having a life outside. Right, it's like movie over. And then he also has no effort getting outside of the hive from that point on. I turned to Holden and I was like, how did he get out again? Like they make it like this big deal. Like he can only get out if he goes out with the pollen jocks and has to be one of them. But it is like he's coming and going freely. And the pollen jocks, they're make they they start off making fun of him. They're like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna go mess with these two kids and ha, and we're gonna have them come out. And then like on. yeah, it's not followed through. When he shows up to go out, they're like, hey, welcome, we're all going out. Hey guys, well look at that. Isn't that the kid we saw yesterday? Hold it, son. Flight deck's restricted. It's okay, Lou. We're going to take him up. Yeah. Really? Feeling lucky, are you? Yeah, there was no more of that where we're ragging on this kid. He's just part of the truth. He called their bluff. So it's like the follow-through, the writing is just so bizarre because like it doesn't follow through with any of its concepts. But it's all there. It's all there. So it's like this weird carbon copy of a competent script that that just, it's all shoehorned in there. Well, it feels like a couple different scripts put together and not fully completed. And then the fact that there's 200 iterations of the script is baffles me. Yeah, it's like, how <laughs> did y'all miss this? Like, it takes a it takes a long time to make these movies. Like, did you realize that it was going to take you four years to animate it? So you crapped the script out in two weeks. What's happened? He needs Larry David. That's true. I believe that wholeheartedly. If you, if you turn your brain off and you watch this movie, you're gonna you're probably gonna have a good time. Mm-hmm. But when you start to kind of think about the details of this movie, nothing adds up because what gets us to the people is this tennis match where the bees mistake the balls as Because they've never seen tennis balls before. Could be daisies. Don't we need those? Copy that visual. Hold on. This flower seems to be on the move. Say again. Are you reporting a moving flower? Affirmative. They're wearing these helmets that have like digital readouts of flowers, but even that doesn't understand what a tennis ball is. Like the <laughs> tennis ball scene is really, really funny. It's great. Like it, it made, yeah, it's great. It made me laugh. But like when you kind of go, wait, hold on. The reason why we're here doesn't make sense. Ah! 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 
You know, I don't think these are flowers. Should we tell him? I think he knows. What is this? Like, the gag is funny, but how we got here is just so bizarre. I'm sorry, I'm just shanghaiing this conversation, but it, it's just Take so, it, it's please. so crazy. We have our, our meet cute essentially happens at the tennis match because the two characters playing tennis are the are the characters that we meet. Two minutes later, who ends up being, I guess, Barry B's, you know, muse for the rest of the movie. So we the, the Renee Zellweger character and the uh, uh, Patrick Warburton character who screams every line he has in this movie. <laughs> You can just start packing up, honey, because I believe you're about to eat it! Like, he's got a great scream, but does he have to scream every night? Listen, if you were Ken, you so would anyways, scream too. Okay, we'll get there. They're, they're just, they just happen to be the ones playing tennis. And I think that that's okay, but it, does it have to be? It didn't have to be. It doesn't no. have to be them. No, like, so at all. It, and that propels us to the tennis ball and he's getting bounced around super funny stuff and then gets knocked into the street, goes into the car, which is a great animated sequence mm-hmm. and really funny all to make it back to the same people's apartment. It didn't need to go it, full it's circle, just, but it yeah, did. It's not necessary. It's not <laughs> exactly. like referenced. It's not like we get the introduction to Ken in the apartment. We get the introduction to Vanessa in the apartment. Right. We don't need the tennis, which uh, it, I mean, uh, my head. Is pounding. He comes into the apartment. He comes into the apartment and he goes and he has a brochure. It's his resume. <laughs> his resume. And he's like, I made my resume to a brochure. Going, what? He just got finished playing tennis. Why is he talking? Why does he and have his resume? Why is he with friends? Yeah. <laughs> but see, they pay it off. This movie is good at paying off its callbacks, but without the payoff, it's so bizarre. So the the payoff of him having this pamphlet that she uses it to shove under the glass. And she, she doesn't have to, to rip it. Right. So <laughs> this is just what this movie does. It like sets these this craziness up and you're like, what is going on? They do pay it off. So they are competent at what they do. But it's just so weird. <laughs> and then they keep ragging on him for his special skills, I, which I think right. is funny. And it's, like the tennis... Like, I feel like that tennis scene is only there to set up that Ken is really intense at tennis. And then that comes back later when he's I like, know. they keep, they keep calling it back. And I think that's how they approach this entire movie. It's like they wrote it backwards. They, 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 they wrote it from the punchline and then tried to set up the joke. Mm-hmm. And it's a very strange way of approaching to, to the writing of this. And I think it's also very much a comedian's way to writing it because I can guarantee you that Seinfeld had pages of jokes and B jokes and just that he needed to, to fit in. Yeah, make them fit. But he needed to just like tie that, the ribbons between. That that makes it. I, we need to talk about the B yeah. human relationship. Let's talk about, you know, we've talked about inconsistencies with Barry's decisions and some of the plot points and right. all of that. But let's talk about the fact that there is a B human relationship in this movie. That's what our listeners want us to talk about, so I think we need to address it. Got everything? All set. You go ahead, I'll catch up. Don't be too long. Here's the hill I would like to die on. Okay. Um, And it's called Justice for Ken, because Mm -hmm. Ken is the himbo of all of our dreams, and he's totally gaslit. 
and deserves better than to be kicked out for a B. <laughs> well, he did. He later on in the movie, he does try to set her apartment on fire. So I love the smell does he of flowers. Yeah. How do you like the smell of flames? Not as much. Ah! No, he doesn't. He tries to sit. He, he tries, tries to get he, Barry out by threatening him with fire. And wouldn't you? Wouldn't right, you? Wants, if if Tiffany, John, John. If Tiffany was gaslighting you over a bee, a talking bee, who takes your spot at the table and then taunts you for it, would you not threaten it with fire? I don't think Barry was taunting him. I think Barry was oblivious. Here's what I think. Here's my problem with Kenneth. Kenneth. We have discovered a talking bee. Like, that is a miracle. They all talk, though. (laughs) That is a freaking... Well, they didn't know that until this movie, right? They didn't... He... Kenneth did not know that they were talking bees until that moment. I think that he should be, I think everyone in this movie should be perpetually amazed that fucking bees can talk. Not when that bee is coming onto your girlfriend. There's nothing going to happen there. He's a bee. She's a female. Couldn't it though? Because the movie seems to imply well, here's that. Here's the thing. Maddie is bringing up a really good point, And it's no, a point that be, I made in my notes as well. I would be celebrating that we now had a bee friend that was just living in the house. It's like having your cat talk. Like that would be so rad. I That's don't know. That's different. It's a cat and it's yours already. <laughs> well, we do discover later that cows talk. So I'm guessing every animal in the world talks in, in this movie. And why don't they know it until now? And they why don't is know this it. And mosquitoes discovery? talk. I would be. And water bugs talk. If a, if a bee made, fun, made friends with my wife and they were just hanging out, I'd be like, every time I saw that, I'd be like, holy shit, that's a fucking talking bee. <laughs> yeah. I mean, true. But Ken is allergic to bees. Okay, yeah, yeah, I guess so. But he does yeah, he, he does try to straight up murder. He tries to murder him. Maddie is bringing up a point that I tried to make, which was Ken is the most unfortunate character in this movie because yet yet yes, he is a douche at times and most wants of the to time. kill stuff. Yeah. And he's really looking out for his own well-being because he's allergic to bees, right. but also at the same time is he not the most normal character in this movie to just be questioning like like Vanessa in one of them is just like we need to talk he's just a little bee and he happens to be the nicest bee I've met in a long time long time what are you talking about are there other bugs in your life no but there are other things bugging me in life and you're one of them fine talking bees no yogurt night my nerves are fried from riding on this emotional roller coaster. Goodbye, Ken. Oh! <laughs> he is absolutely the voice of reason in this movie. And he's well, gaslit. But see, that's that's just yes. terrible writing. That's a movie that forgets its own rules. The movie forgot that they only introduced the fact that bees talk to people by their relationship. So that's just bad mm-hmm. writing to say the best bee I've met in a long time. That's not the character's fault. That's the writer's well, I think fault. That, that's just terrible. I writing. think it's supposed to be terrible because it's like, it's like she's breaking up with this guy for another guy. Like it literally positions it as I'm breaking up with you Hold for on. this other man. That is it. I can't. This this feels like a really weird. I guess we did body swap today because like I'm I'm defending uh, Vanessa and you're defending Kenneth. Kenneth had some I major red Ken. flags. Okay. He had some major okay. red flags going he into is. this. One, he has a 
he's got a temper. He's got he screams all the time. If I was around people that just screamed all the he's time, I wouldn't want to hang out with him either. If you were being gaslit, Wait. you would scream too. No. Hold on. Before before the bee is introduced into what, the world. What when he's playing tennis? He's he's screaming at tennis. We then later learn that he plays Renee Zellweger's mother, a 90-year-old grandmother at tennis and like apparently decimated her, which is <laughs> He carries oh, around he after playing tennis, he carries around a resume that he's made into a brochure that she rips up in front of him to save a bee that he's allergic to. Exactly, she who, rips it up. Who That's is the, mean? I well, sure, but like he was. So oh yeah, I just kind of, of switched points. You did because you have to. At some point, you have to side with Ken. You do. You just have to. Oh. He's the voice of reason. He, he screams. He's. He screams at her because uh, uh, yogurt night was interrupted, apparently. Because we're really busy working. But it's our yogurt night. Oh, bye-bye. Why is yogurt night so difficult? Man just wanted his yogurt night. And that's when we discover that he decimated 90 grandma on the tennis court. (laughs) Like... (laughs) Listen. And then he tries to... He deals with the the relationship by, by... you know, we, we learn that, you know, only bees can withstand like a 10 page magazine, but not like a, a what, like a 90 not page Italian magazine? Vogue. Anyways, yeah. Right. Not Italian Vogue. He gets an Italian Vogue, which he knows will kill Barry. He's going to murder Barry, a talking sentient life form. There are who like can talk five to you. million other berries, though. Barry just happens to be the one hitting on his girlfriend. When you personify anything. These movies personify the, the, these animals, and so at that point, they might as well be people but in this that's world. that's the thing, is that <laughs> Ken is the voice of reason, but the writers made him this really dumb, weird guy because they want you to root for Barry with Vanessa. They want you to want Barry and Vanessa to be together, and that's just weird. It's weird. Right, and I think that that's, I think that that's the, again... The mistake of the writers because they do play with rom com tones in this movie. The weird fantasy sequence. Like yeah. when she shakes oh, exactly. she shakes him off of the brochure and he's like googly eyed at her. Oh yeah, that he whole that whole it, it, but see, but that's also a direct quote from the graduate. No, it's yeah. So yes. he's he's daydreaming about this in the swimming pool. Uh, tor- torrid love affair with someone he can again we're star-crossed lovers here we didn't realize like how much this would play into the previous episode with the idea of Romeo we always and Juliet, come full circle but, yeah we, we were very topical yeah. on this on this podcast intentional but like that's that's the problem that's a writing problem that's a tone problem because the movie is trying it's making we we have all of this muscle memory from all the movies that we watch that we start to sort of compartmentalize these segments of these movies going, Oh, well now we're, now we're in a rom-com. So yeah, in a rom-com, he is the new guy and in typical rom-coms, we're supposed to hate the, 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 the boyfriend, the ex-boyfriend. Right. So like Mm -hmm. they play with that. And so, yeah, we're, and he's also the heel, but at the same time, you're right. He is asking the questions that we are, should be asking. He just screams it and yells it and then tries to set apartments on fire to deal with it. He's got a bad attitude. So it's just, I think it's just bad writing. But they did it on purpose. They absolutely but did it on purpose. as characters, not if well, the writers don't exist. Well, sure, sure they did it on purpose because they wrote it that way. But I'm saying it was a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the whole movie. 
piece of a steak, John. Holden just left. This is now our podcast. We're just going to keep going on the. Do you know, John? I'm curious. Do you know what a yeah. himbo is? No, I do not. Okay, so bimbo, but huh? himbo. It's like a buff, okay. dumb dude. Ken is like the the stereotypical bim, like the the himbo. Right. What is himbo? It's a male bimbo. <laughs> yeah, but also, yeah, at the end of this, they get a business together. <laughs> but also, how much longer does Barry okay, have? No, no, no. Like, isn't he going to die next this. week? I want to talk about Or like this. in two because days? <laughs> at the very beginning of the movie, they set up, oh, two days ago, we were in elementary school. And then two days later, right. we were in college. And now it's the sixth day of my right. life and I'm off to work for the rest of my life. But then how... How much time does this movie take up? Like, there's a whole court case in the middle of this movie. So it's like, weeks later, he's still alive? Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, there's no trickery here. I'm just an ordinary bee. And as a bee, honey's pretty important to me. It's important to all bees. We invented it. We make it. And we protect Wait, did it you, with did our Wait, did we lives. preface this? Like, he, they discovers honey, that humans are selling honey, and he decides yeah, he's going to sue humanity. Yes. Just all over, of it. All of humanity. Yeah. All yeah, of humanity. just all of humanity. Is that something that can so be like, done? Sure. Yeah, so like uh, my first point is why are they why is he suing suing the human race? Why are the corporations not responsible? Okay. Uh, why is he not challenging the oppressor and he's just challenging everybody? That, but um, here's the thing. He is suing the corporations because the corporations are who the lawyers defending the ones who show up. So right. he's not even mm-hmm. he's literally not suing humanity. It's like they couldn't even get that right. They couldn't stay consistent there. <laughs> like who is he? No, they could. And I, and they do set up another uh, uh, bad guy. It's the it's the aviator. No wait, uh, it's the beekeepers. How do you call it? what do you call them? <gasps> yeah, the beekeepers. Then we throw it in some jars, slap a label on it. And it's pretty much pure profit. <laughs> what is this place? A bee's got a brain the size of a pinhead. They are pinheads. They're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're like stupid bees. <laughs> right. They're smoker at three thousand. They're essentially twirling their mustaches as they're taking honey from all the bees. <laughs> like they have, they have telephones. Their their antennas are telephones. But is their network only in hive? Like, do they not get calls from other hives saying we've been kidnapped? Oh we're we're at a bee farm. They're stealing our honey. They have news networks. They have news this networks. This is 2007. They don't have 5G yet. Okay, no, no. The antennas as phones. What are the limits to that? Like, true. Like, I exactly. was the whole thing. I was like, Love Wait. the idea. Great idea. Very funny. Yes, very funny. No one ever calls anyone anymore after the first, you know, right. 30 minutes. And no one calls anyone from these hives that have been kid or these hives that have been Shanghai. And that's probably not the right choice of words. Okay, well, they um, literally compare it to slavery on several occasions. So. Living out our lives as honey slaves to the white man. Coming back That's to wild. Ken, because I'm sorry, um, justice for Ken, but he is literally <laughs> the only human ever who questions this whole bees talking, bees suing, bees, oh, all of a sudden bees can talk and we can talk to them. Like it's just presented as normal. Like, yep, we're gonna. We're, I'm representing the the corporations against the bees. Like everyone else is just like, oh yeah, this is what the world is now. And Ken's like, hang on a second, what? I want to get back to courtroom drama. Yeah. Holden's having a real so, hard time rating us in on this one. <laughs> I wasn't expecting to get this heated. 
<laughs> um, I wanted to ask, are these even good? I don't know if this is a great question, but like, are these good arguments even for a courtroom? There's no precedent. There's no... I mean, the, the, it's set up like bees are like humans, right? Because they they are personifying them, right? But then they right. like very yeah. quickly equate the bees and the bees' plight to the plight of like oppressed people and like slavery and beekeeping. That's a that's a terrible term, and mm-hmm. it, it's like you can't uh, you can't do that because they're bees and they're not humans. Well, soon, they don't have uh, souls. Right. They don't I, have it's rights. Not a, <laughs> does does the lawsuit hold up? Probably not. Do, do their arguments? I think the arguments are just played for laughs. They're mm-hmm. clearly not like legitimate arguments. They don't. No vegans worked on this movie. They don't. They don't really want to convince us that the bees are oppressed. <laughs> as soon as soon as a courtroom full of talking bees showed up and be like, "Hey, we can th- the whole we can right talk. side of the court. We, we, we can talk. We don't really like that you're stealing our honey." then I think the conversation should be had. <laughs> now, perhaps that's enough to win the court the court case, but, I mean, the fact that we're in court is just strange. I don't think that it's supposed to be, a, you know, we're supposed to take anything no, away from their arguments. He's going to dress up in a suit and a tie. Because he's I, have pants on. <laughs> John Goodman's opening statement was that it's all an illusion and it's lasers from space. That's why we Hollywood have, wizardry. Right. But that doesn't, cha- that doesn't change the fact that there's half a courtroom full of talking bees. Like well, your first witness. So, Mr. Klaus Vander Hayden of Honey Farms, pretty big company you have there. I suppose so. And I see you also own Honeybird and Hunron. So, in this courtroom scene, um, John wanted to talk about this, so I included it. You want to talk? So, you want to talk about Adam stinging Mr. Montgomery? Yeah. So, like forty-five minutes ago in the movie, they say if a bee stings somebody, they die. Then Adam stings Attorney Montgomery. Yeah, it stings him um, and doesn't die. I'm gonna pincushion this guy. <gasps> Adam, don't. It's what he wants. <laughs> ah! Oh, I'm here! Oh, Lordy, I'm here! Order! Order! The venom! The venom is coursing to my veins! Mr. Montgomery! I have been failed by a winged beast of destruction! Because he gets a transplant. Because he goes to the hospital and he's just a little tiny bee sitting in a normal-sized hospital bed with honey IV in his arm. Right. Honey Honey IV. Like, honey is their blood... But it's like morphine. In this example, it's morphine. Because right. he's like, yeah, I'm morphine. in pain. <laughs> Press his button to give him more morphine. <laughs> just give him more honey. You gotta shoot the honey through his veins. And then there's just people outside of his window smoking, you know, in a kid's movie. Please don't smoke. <gasps> and it's like, yes, it's a kid's movie, but I think even kids, it, but it doesn't feel like a kid's movie because they put all this weird stuff into it, like bestiality and weird race stuff. <laughs> That's like very obviously there. You got you got bees sleeping with mosquitoes and and grasshoppers. <sighs> See, I don't think that that was their intent. I don't think it was the intention that we were supposed to believe that they were in a relationship. John. I feel like I, I here. John, yeah, that's hear what, what, what hear my question out. was. Hear me out. I think it's because they're using some of the the rom com tropes is what, and we have such a muscle memory to what these tropes and romantic comedies is why we think that there is this this 
romantic relationship between a bee and a woman that's going to happen. And, and I, that's what his, I, that's what his friend thinks. Adam. Exactly. And because they're, they're, they're toying with this, but like the fantasy sequence when she's literally right. standing and talking sexy to a bee. Who says that? Who says the line about lust? And flies. Who says the line about lust? A, Hold on. Who says the line about lust? He he does. Barry does. Barry does. When talking he's, to her, he's right? Like you know, the human. He's like. He's uh, like bees have all the same that? emotions. I, I have a quote anger, sadness, anger, lust. Sadness. Oh God! Lost. See, yeah, it, it's it, explicit. It shouldn't be playing in the sandbox. In that sandbox at all. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. We have incest. We have r- racist stuff. We have bestiality. Right. This movie has everything. <laughs> Something for every every viewer. Late stage yeah, capitalism, so it aged like yeah, age Exist- like milk, or did it age like wine? existential crisis? It, they they have they talk about suicide pact in there. That's mm. that's good for a kids there's movie. Th- there's lots of death. So hold on, hold on, ask your question. Some jokes and elements of this movie may not have aged well. Did they age <laughs> like milk, where these jokes have become blatantly insensitive? Or did they age like wine, being ahead of their time and being almost prophetic? Okay, I would like to talk about the joke that I think you're talking about, um, which is where um, all of a sudden honey becomes illegal for humans to consume and use. And the police attack this old lady. La-dee-da, human tea time snack garnishments. I can't breathe. The second that oh. happened, I was like, Holden had the Eric Garner murder happened by this time. Because that literally now, I can't breathe is synonymous with eric garner and with george floyd right yes but this came before that before that seven years before but it still feels weird right Mm -hmm. yeah no that's that's oddly prophetic isn't that weird yeah also well that is just the fact that they're using police brutality but just in general but it plays a joke and it's a it's an old grandma an old white grandma right it's not and winnie the pooh for my signal take him out We'll have a little nausea for a few hours, then it'll be fine. I actually, I actually kind of laughed at the Winnie the Pooh. I did yeah. too. Winnie the Pooh was cute because it was like, oh, another little kid's reference. Like kids will get that. Sure. Right. And uh, shooting him with the trank dart was pretty funny, but <laughs> <laughs> a little starring yeah, I mean, maybe for that, children. I, yeah, I, I bristled at the "I can't breathe" joke too. I think it's just from like contextually at this time, like it's front and center but, of the of the. Indicative of these the the problems that we're facing. But then you have stuff that was wrong back then, like equating the mosquitoes with black people and the whole Chris Rock mosquito character going on a rant about female mosquitoes like uh dating up and trying to date right. other species. <laughs> um Chris Rock um recorded his voiceover sessions with Jerry Seinfeld. And uh, wrote the lines that uh, blood. That makes sense because wrote. a lot of his stand-up. It sounds like a lot of his stand-up. So they they almost improv improved that. I believe whole scene that that does sound like written. Chris Rock. Yeah, that doesn't mean it's okay for uh, a but kids we can, movie. We can also we can also talk about the newscasters' names. Be Larry. Oh <gasps> oh. We went uh, news with uh, Bob Bumble, weather with Storm Stinger, sports with Buzz Larvey, and Jeanette Chung. <laughs> 
<laughs> Listen, I, la- I I laughed at that. Right? I loved I it. Holden it like funny. really like like it was Holden's fault. Like Holden made the movie. Why? What's uh? uh can we talk about what what what's the problem? What's, what's the, the problem? problem? I think that they think the stereo- stereotypes are funny and to them, and I think that they're kind of less funny now. It's making fun of Asian names. Like we're gonna give everyone else a punny name, but then we're gonna leave the Asian character with. Well, uh, Connie, Connie was Connie Chung on the air. At this she time? was a B. Huh? Was Connie Who? Chung was on the air at this time too, right? So maybe it was reference to a, a popular broadcaster at the time. But the rest of them weren't. Why is it the Asian girl? Well, so, so, so I was going to ask if you could separate Jerry Seinfeld from Barry Benson. My my only notes there were uh, that animators at some point felt like they started animating Barry to be more and more like Jerry, taking his mannerisms and his affectations. They literally named him Barry. Jerry Barry. Oh, that's mm-hmm. a good. Uh, they should have called alignment Barry Beinfeld. <laughs> <laughs> Barry B. Beinfeld. I hope he marries a nice beeish lady. I do hope she's B-ish. Listen, I did want to talk about some of my favorite quotes from this movie. Oh. And there are a couple that are very popular today. Uh, So I'm just going to spill through these. What'd you get? (laughs) Picking the crud out? That's stellar. I'm sorry, what's he picking the crud out of? The honey? That's one I don't of the know. jobs. He's picking the crud out of the, the raw That's honey or the, the nectar. No, yeah, I knew that. Picking but, the crud out. What's he picking the crud out of? The honey. <laughs> no clue. Yeah, okay. See, there's another one. Dead, dead, dead from the neck up, dead from the neck down. He's dead. That's a great one um, by the great character actor uh, Larry Miller. Plays <laughs> Larry Miller. <laughs> oh, he's like, Welcome, class of 915. <laughs> and that concludes our ceremony. I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that. But you know what I did not enjoy? What? The yeah. joke immediately preceding that. Oh, it's a, a lot of pomp under the circumstances. That's how the movie started. <laughs> um, <laughs> and it just got better from there, right, Maddie? Just went downhill. Um, another one from like one of my favorite actors, Rip Torn. And I think that's only because I really loved him in the Larry Sanders show. Being poured on us, Murphy's in a home because of it, just babbling like a cicada. That I I do like the Rip Torn character. So the the pollen jocks just fly back in and he's like super pumped and he's like, you guys did great job. And he's like slapping on the back and then he punches one of them in the face. (laughs) (laughs) That's when I, that's when I was like really, really excited and anticipating like a really, really funny movie that somehow beginning part. I'm I'm, maybe that's just what I'm aligning with is that I really love that opening because maybe that's how long it took me to eat my lunch. <laughs> There's a lot of really fun stuff, like especially the the gag, like I guess the guy who's testing the new equipment, the guy who's testing the helmet and like he's getting smacked <laughs> with like a fly swatter and a, you know, that stuff's just really funny. And then the scene when 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 Barry flies out of the high for the first time, like that's a really really great sequence. Like it's really mm-hmm. it's just really effective. And when we get to see the pollen jocks doing their thing for the first time, like it's just a really effective scene. And then it just immediately turns on itself and loses all of its charm. Uh, One of the most infamous lines of B-movie. Do it. I can't. How should I start it? 
You like jazz? No, that's no good. And like, oh, there's yeah. a whole community of people who quote the B movie and is just like, you like jazz? And it's like a meme where they're just like shitty drawn bees and with Comic Sans font, it just says like, you like jazz? What? Question it's mark. An, I'm always really, I'm always I really surprised what kind of makes it into the. Oh my gosh. This movie was heavily memed in 2016. Yes. Like I didn't realize it was so old because I feel like it just had this big resurfacing recently. It's because it went on Netflix. With people, I mean, just the whole bee human romance was really latched onto. I wonder why. All right. uh, Here's one of my favorite quotes that came from his uncle. I dated a cricket once in San Antonio and boy, those crazy legs kept me up all night. Hachiwa. Love that. (laughs) I think I like watching you requote the movie better more than i like watching the movie <laughs> when uh ken is trying to kill barry uh he falls into the shower and he unveils that there's a water bug at the drain he's like water bug not taking sides i love that i that was i actually yeah <laughs> i laughed quite quite bigly i can't use words anymore <laughs> my brain's shut down also uh what do you Live together. Wait a wait a minute. This isn't Are about you a little <clears throat> bed bug. John See? Goodman is is doing so much heavy lifting in this movie. Like he is acting his heart he's out. A, he's a great. He's character. acting his heart out and he... in, in just giving it his all. Fantastic. The last quote that I want to end on. I don't understand this. They do get behind a fellow. Black and yellow. Hello. All right. I don't. I don't. I, I don't. I get have that. an answer for you. Mm-hmm. Shitty writing. Of if, if you're still if you're still tuned into this podcast because that's what you do you tune into it on the radio right we we haven't even talked about the craziest part of the movie which is the ending because <laughs> of all the shenanigans lead to the fact that you know we're all symbiotic it's all nature and like it's good that th- we've taken their honey and the bees make honey because they pollinate the world and that's how we get beautiful flowers and and trees yes an earlier point that I wanted to make was. This movie wants to comment a lot on postgraduate existential crises, but it also unknowingly makes a comment on late stage capitalism. It's like the movie took its stride on finding a purpose in life and leaving your comfort zone for brand new experiences. But then the movie ends on a note where it's like, well, you know, you work a small job and you should be comfortable with the exploitation that you retrieve from the more powerful people that are standing above you. And that just seems so counter to the answer that Barry Benson would have ever wanted to find, especially in the, like in the entire reason he left the hive is like, he found out that you should work a small job until you die and be happy about it. it, They're trying to shoehorn a lesson in there because you know, it's a kid's movie and you have to learn something, but yeah, it's just work for the man. If you turn, if you turn your brain off and you watch this movie, you're probably going to have a good time. I feel like that's why yes. the reviews are so divided. It's like right at 50%, right? I think it's, if you start to think about the movie, that's where you kind of run into trouble. <laughs> but that's what we do here on Unseen Supreme. We think about movies. Thoroughly vet them. And a quote that can pull this full full circle is... So what do you all say? Are we going to be bees? We're just Museum of Natural History keychains. We're bees! Keychain! But I did get a chuckle out of when the one bee says keychain and then... He says, everyone follow me except for Keychain. Like, that's funny. It's really yeah, funny. <laughs> exactly. It's like, there's, like, that's what I hate is that, like, there are 
funny jokes that live in the world, but the world sucks. Like the world sucks, but there's funny jokes in here. And I like the little humor and I wish that more kids movies had that, but it's like, it wasn't paired well with the actual material that they're trying to use and trying to make a story out of. It plays with your emotions. It's ah! like, so it's so schizophrenic. It's like so back and forth between good and, and, and chaos that it's just like you don't know how to feel at the end of it. So that brings me into trivia so we can start trivia. wrapping this up. Um, but B, <laughs> B-Movie had a $150 million wow. budget. Um, it made its money back despite uh, its nasty inconsistencies. <laughs> it grossed $126 million domestically and $239 million worldwide. Which I'm guessing was considered so a flop. it almost doubled its... I yeah, guess so. I was gonna say that is not a big. So after their after their marketing budget, it probably ended up actually still losing money. So it was made almost a decade after Seinfeld, the sitcom, went off of the air, and it ironically took a popular stride a decade after B movies release hmm. in 2016. So in November of 2016, when it hit Netflix. This movie saw a surge in attention. Uh, it's, it was like a, it had a rise in popularity with videos on YouTube that were like, you know, random edits of this movie to make it a little more funny or to capitalize on the sexual innuendo or anything like that. Um, I guess the most popular of these videos was a movie that increases in speed every time the word B is hmm. said. Uh, there's one user that live streamed singing the entire B movie script. Um, there are users who video themselves writing the whole script by hand with oh, pencil. Man. There like is in, a music in, in real time. With, in real with time, the, it oh like gosh. takes like hour, hours and hours and hours. There's a musical adaptation of the movie. It's um, it's terrible, and I don't think it's very legal, but there is footage of the musical adaptation. You can buy shirts with the whole script printed on the back of it. <laughs> um, See, I, I think that that's... I think people know that there's a better movie in this source material, mm-hmm. and everyone is trying to flush it out. No, I think it's just easy to make fun of. I oh, think okay. so, too. Like, I, I think... Well, I, the, I'm an optimist. There are users who try to fit the fit the whole movie into one single GIF. Oh, how um, funny! And the entire movie was uploaded to Pornhub. Okay, and weird. legally stayed there for a long time <laughs> until recently. Um, so we talked about Jerry Jerry Seinfeld having a uh, having lunch with Steven Spielberg and mentioning the idea for a movie about bees that they call Bee Movie. But I just don't think the audience is ever really going to believe I'm a bee. All right, all right. Look, why don't you just make it a cartoon? All right. It's a cartoon. There are several references made to being beeish throughout the film. This is a tongue-in-cheek reference to being Jewish. We know. For example, when Adam <laughs> Azarev says me, she wants Also, um, uh, he hopes she is not a wasp, which is referring to uh, white Anglo-Saxon pro- Protestants, prostates. prostates. Yeah. yeah um, and that whole uh, shot where they're flying over Central Park through the kites that entire sequence took like nine months to render. Oh, wow. Keep in mind the fastest computers that DreamWorks used at the time had dual core processors. 
No way. Two core processors, man. Can you believe that they were using <laughs> two cores? What year is it, man? Is it the Ice Age? All right, who's going first? So oh, is that it's it? That, it's that time. Um, okay, I'll go first. All right, you ready for this? I would like to remind everyone that Maddie has yet to lose a quiz. Against you? Against anybody. She's never lost a quiz. Oh, yeah, that's right. It always okay. goes... One of us, you, either you or me. Yeah, I lost. Or yeah. Maddie, then you or okay, me losing. and Maddie. <laughs> All right, so All I'm, right. Hope, I'm hoping that today's my day. Number one. Number one. According to the B-movie, B-movie, what magazine has enough pages to kill a bee? Damn it. Maddie knows this. She said it earlier. Mm. <sighs> Vogue. Cuban Vogue. <laughs> Something Vogue. You got Vogue, so let's let's Italian let's, Vogue. Let's go. Yes. What job does Barry's friend Adam want and eventually get at Hunnex? Ah, uh, gosh, what was that? What was that crazy word? Krell something. Krellman. Krellman. Mm-hmm. Okay, yep, that's it. Who do Barry and Vanessa disguise themselves as to steal the parade float? Uh, it's the print. Oh, he's the he's the peapod mm-hmm. or the pea. Mm-hmm. The Princess and the Pea? Yes. Okay. That's it. What is Adam's stinger replaced with after he stings <laughs> Montgomery? Uh, it's like, it's a little cocktail sword or however, whatever, whatever you really call those. Uh, okay. Who was cruelly tranquilized for illegally <laughs> using honey? A Winnie the Pooh? Yes. Nice. All right. Name as many ways as you can the ways Ken tried to kill Barry in general. In Not general. just in the bathroom. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, he tried to smash, hit him with a newspaper or not a rolled up magazine. He tried to spray him with rose scented fart spray. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whatever you call that. <laughs> uh, poopery. Poopery. He tried to <laughs> flush him down the toilet. Mm-hmm. He tried to uh, set him on fire with the same potpourri and a lighter. Mm-hmm. Is that those are two separate ones in my mind. And then I guess earlier in the first apartment, yeah, in the apartment. I'm trying to remember how he tried to kill him in the apartment. Was it with his pamphlet? Was it with his brochure? No. No, oh, oh it was with his boots. He was going to smash him with his boots. Yep. Or his rain boots. Do you boots, remember what kind of sole his boots had? No, I, I know he says them in there, but... Uh, John, you got all those questions right. Dude, all five. I'm questions. scared because I don't know if I have enough questions if Maddie gets all of hers right. I bet you could come up with something. Maddie! How'd you do? I can't... I'm not telling you. <laughs> you passed the test. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> oh, no. According to the movie, what magazine has enough pages to kill a bee? Italian Vogue. Okay. <laughs> Number two. What job does Barry's friend Adam want and eventually get at Hunnex? The Kremlin. The what? The Kremlin. Krellman? Krellman. Okay. Right? Yes. <laughs> Kremlin. <laughs> Who do Barry and Vanessa disguise themselves as to steal the parade float? Uh, the princess and the pea. Yes. What is Adam's stinger replaced with? A little um, sword that goes into food, a little toothpick. All right. Who was cruelly tranquilized for illegally using honey? The bear. Wasn't it a bear? Winnie the Pooh! Winnie the Pooh! Winnie the Pooh! He has a name. Name as many ways as you can how Ken tried to kill Barry. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, the Italian Vogue, 
He tried to set him on fire. He tried to flush him, right? Mm-hmm. He tried to smash him with his sh- his shoe, Timberlands or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 um, he probably tried to spray him with something, right? What did he try to spray him with? Room room freshener or something? Yeah. Is that all of them? Yeah, that's all of them. Dang. Oh, no. All right. Shit. Are we tied? <laughs> yeah, you're tied. <gasps> Oh, uh, I felt like I was so close to winning. Uh, Did we uh, both get five out of five? You both got five <gasps> out of five. <gasps> Gotta do a tiebreaker. Who's who's going tiebreaker gonna... question? All right, I have three. I have three. Three. Okay, baby, didn't close all the doors. You cheater. <laughs> <laughs> what was Vanessa's occupation? A florist. Okay. What was Barry's dad's job? He was a stirrer, stirrer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Black and yellow. Hello. All right. No, no, no. Them all. She's gonna get all those. Where did Vanessa and Barry have to go to save the planet? It was the Rose Parade. No. In. In California. What city? Sacramento. Mm-mm. <laughs> Damn. Mm-mm. Uh, Los Angeles. No. Uh, San Diego. Mm-mm. Okay. Well, that's. I'm just guessing cities now. So. Okay. What did Mooseblood decide to jump on when he decided to leave Barry on the honey truck? It was a mobile blood vehicle, the blood bank or something that okay. looked like an ambulance, but that's correct. At the end of the movie, what type of animal went to Barry for legal advice? Cow. All right, that's five more. I'm gonna see I'm gonna see how she does. Okay. I'm so close. Can I unseat her? Maddie. Yeah. What was Vanessa's occupation? Florist. She owned her own flower shop. Okay. What was Barry's dad's job? Stirrer. Where did Vanessa and Barry go to save the planet? To save the planet? Mm -hmm. They went to the Festival of Roses. Where? Brazil, Portugal, Mexico, on a plane. No. Uh, ah! What did Mooseblood decide to jump on when he decided to leave Barry on the truck? He drove on. He jumped onto the mud, the mud, the blood, the blood bank truck. All right. At the end of the movie, what type of animal went to Barry for legal advice? A cow. John, you okay. got more. Hold John, on, hold you on. got more. As much as I want to take the win, I do have to bring this up to be fair. I said rose parade she said festival of roses which one is it it's neither of those oh tournament of roses tournament of roses parade of roses it's the parade of parade roses. of roses because of that we both got that wrong and then i said california i didn't say the right city but i said the right state she said the wrong city and she said the, the wrong, wrong country. The wrong country. <laughs> I really thought it was in a different country. <laughs> what does that mean? You, you technically got more right because <gasps> I would have, I would have given it if you had said festival or tournament or any of that. It was the oh, important tournament because were he makes the joke. Roses. Oh, they don't do sports. Tournament. Okay. Roses and Pasadena. Pasadena. And Pasadena's in California. So technically, technically, John beat you by three quarters of a question. Oh my God. No. (laughs) Y'all didn't know I was a sore loser. You're about to find out. Oh, no. 
Well, this. I didn't know I was going to have to consult an online <laughs> B-movie quiz to find my other five questions. I, I wanted to watch my movie. <laughs> now you have to watch my <laughs> movie. No. What was, no, what, I'm not going to ask. Is it Rocky? Um, What's our? Oh, let's <laughs> let's let's see, John. I'm sorry, I'm John. Just, I'm, you won. I'm still basking in my in my win. You won. You got to bask just, in your win against me, and now no, you get to bask in your win against the, the almighty band-aid. almighty rain rainer, the, the dominator of this podcast quiz show, Maddie uh, Maddie Calhoun. Just rip the bandaid. Is it Rocky? What are, yes what are or we no? watching, John? Okay, so um, yes, I have chosen a movie. <laughs> um. It does begin with an R. It is not Rocky. Okay. I have chosen 1987's RoboCop. RoboCop. What? <laughs> I don't know how I do that. It's, it's literally the greatest movie ever made. Oh, my God. Hey, it was shot in Dallas. We are going to watch it. And I just, I just know, I just, I just know you're going to love it, Maddie. I just know you're going to love it. It's going to have to run out of eighties movies one day. You do. That's, that's the thing is that it's not going to happen for, I mean, we, if, if this podcast keeps going for a couple of years, I probably still will be in the (laughs) eighties. I am beyond excited for y'all to watch RoboCop. Um, And, and you're welcome. You're welcome. You're welcome for giving you that win. Oh, thanks for winning my B movie quiz. You know what, Holden? <laughs> I am happy that we watched this movie. I know that we've pretty much just eviscerated it for the past uh, however long we've <laughs> yeah, been talking. Yeah, I took a big old dump on it, but, but it was fun to watch, and I liked watching it because I feel like I'm now closer to you as a brother. Yay! B movie brings us with a B together. <laughs> <laughs> God, what have we done? Oh, I didn't start on a good note, but I need to end on one. Happy New Year's, everybody. Happy New Year's, me. New Year's. It's one year. It's Happy New Year. Holden has it. I have a vendetta against people who say New Year's. Happy New Year's. It's like people saying, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Kroger's? Yes, but also uh, anyways. Anyways. Well, anyways, Happy New Year's, everyone. (laughs) Happy New Year's. And you're welcome. Uh, you're welcome, RoboCop. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs>